And this Easter, we come to, it, it's later than usual. Uh, and I think because it's later, it's especially welcome. This celebration could not come too soon for us in a world that actually feels weary and difficult for so many right now. The political world is in upheaval, especially here in the United Kingdom. Businesses of all sizes are closing on our high streets and our neighborhoods. Teenage gang deaths are much in the news. The planet is warming up. Protesters have been making their feelings known just a few meters from our door here this week. Animal species are dying out faster than we realized. They're troubled times. Every day, the media broadcasts those almost intrusive global pictures that show the poorest people disadvantaged and displaced through war and fighting. And this morning, we must think of our Christian brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka, where there have been some awful terrorism uh, atrocities on churches. And I think the number is rising. The last I got was 137 people died. So there is much that would make us fearful and unhappy. Our minds are weary and weariness traps us into narrow thinking. It changes us. And we think of our situations. And in our minds, our economic stuff is restricted. Our social stuff is restricted. And it all speaks of a dark Good Friday world where Good Friday depression and Good Friday desolation reigns over hearts and minds. Now, I'm expecting the most massive hallelujah because here is Easter morning and Christ is risen. Our hearts and our minds are again taking in the good news of the third day. One writer said, there is a risen Christ out there on the loose. The poet E. E. Cummings calls Easter the defiance of despair. And so this morning we've come to worship and we defy despair. We defy this by offering our thanks and our praises to God who raised Jesus from the dead, who defeated the power of sin and death and has delivered us from death to eternal life. And we defy despair. Why? Because we believe the Easter story is true. Don't we? If you can't easily feel joyful or hopeful today, then I simply say, let Easter have its way with you. Trust in the Calvary work of Christ to give you faith and deep trust so that you may live in a greater and greater hope. Easter is not about a new idea, a new ethic, a new thought. Easter is about a new creation. And it is something to be joyful about. The second largest communion in the world is the Eastern Orthodox Church. Every year on the day after Easter, it holds an unusual tradition. 
It's a very old tradition which goes way back to its ancient liturgical roots. And I want you to take part in this tradition in a second. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to take part in this tradition with the person next to you, okay? It's an old tradition. And on the day after Easter, the congregations gather in their different sanctuaries for their services of worship. And for most of that worship time, the priest stands at the pulpit like I'm doing now. And do you know what he does? He tells jokes. True. He tells jokes. And then he says to the congregation, tell somebody a joke. So please would you do that now, just for a minute. A clean one if possible. That's good. That's good. Well, I hope you've all had your heart cheered a little bit at least. Let's remember there are a lot of people listening to this possibly on SoundCloud later or on CD. So here's one for them. It's a musical joke. It's an old one. You'll know it, I'm sure, being, being at Regent Hall. Some of you will, some of you won't. How do you know when an alto singer is at your front door? She can't find the key. Sorry taking a risk there, I know. It works with every singer, it works with every instrument, it's just that alto sounds funnier. It's the word, it's the word. Protestant minister called Martin Copenhaver says, this seems very strange. But he says, when you think about it, it's strangely fitting. He says, consider what might prompt us to laugh. Philosophers and psychologists have their ideas. Sigmund Freud wrote a whole book on the subject. Copenhagen says, I understand it was a particularly deadly book, but Freud's favorite joke was in it. Do you want to hear it? A husband says to his wife, darling, if one of us should die, I think I'll go and live in Paris. which goes to show that great psychiatrists don't always have a great sense of humor, but it's there. There's no consensus about what makes something funny. But there is the recurring theme. It is the theme of surprise, the reversal of expectations. Something happens in the story that you didn't expect. Suddenly your thinking gets widened and you get an out-of-the-box insight and minds can be let a little loose because the usual order of things is turned on its head it does depend on the words that you use which is why alto is funnier than bass and isn't that a description of Easter the world and the media may well tell us that when someone dies the grave comes next and that's it bones in the ground, but Easter upends this whole notion and says, 
broaden your expectations. Increase your understanding. There is a miracle to be had. Can you imagine Pontius Pilate on that first Easter morning, hoping that all that Jesus had said was dead with him? Knowing that if somehow Jesus was raised on the third day, then he, Pilate, would not be seen as the most powerful man in town? Can you imagine when he hears that the grave has been found open, that the burial cloths folded and Jesus is on the loose? Having seen to it that Jesus was crucified, dead and buried, his expectations are turned upside down. It was early dawn. The two Marys came back to the tomb and they are the only ones who come. The disciples had fled in fear on the Friday. They left him nailed on this torturous cross where he died alone. One preacher called William Willimon says the disciples had disappointed him, misunderstood him, forsaken him and fled into the darkness. Yet now in the light of the dawn, two women come to confront the reality of death. But even for them, as they arrive, there's a seismic reversal. There's an upending. There's a huge earthquake. Stone rolls out the way. An angel from heaven appears. His appearance like lightning. His clothing white as snow. And Jesus isn't there. He's on the loose. The only others present are the guards who scripture tells us were scared to death. Another translation said they became like dead men. And the angel says, don't be afraid, because clearly the women were, and you would be as well. You saw an angel in white and an earthquake, a dead man missing. In 2019, what do we do in this weary world where people fear and worry and expectations are low. We have low expectations of so many things. Certainly we know how stress and anxiety plague people in so many different ways. But you know, we are the church of Christ. Joined with the rest of the world. From Sri Lanka. To Paris. We have God's blessing to live as men, women and children whose burdensome chains are gone. Liberally giving welcome to all without exception. Liberally loving with the unique love of God. Liberally praying with those who are hurting. Liberally offering what we have for the good of another. Liberally living out the resurrection life here and now. Liberally. That wasn't so. I practiced in front of the mirror for a while, keep saying liberally. But it's beautiful. Because it's, it's a funny word. But it says it liberation, freedom. In short, we are to be Jesus on the loose in a dark and frightened world. You hear us say pretty much every Sunday words to the effect of being Jesus in our community, where we work, where we live, where we play, whatever we do, being Jesus there. We are to be Jesus on the loose to a confused 
and frightened world. And you know, I got a sense of that loose freedom on Good Friday. I don't know about you, when we were down at Piccadilly Circus, there was a tremendous freedom about the witness and about the response that came our way. We live out what the great contemporary theologian Walter Brueggemann calls the counter-imagination. Brueggemann says that the greatest challenge facing the church today is to feed, nourish, legitimize, and authorize a counter-imagination in the world. He speaks of a counter-hope for a world, a hope that will be without oppression and hurt, and suggests that we, as the church, live in the present with what he calls a counter-vocation, a calling to live like Jesus on the loose, living as if these things were true. And he says this whole counter world is already in the scriptures. And that is what Easter Sunday is. That is what the resurrection is, an event that is counter to people's understanding. And so we must live as, as if it is true because it is true. I choose to believe in hope and not despair. And I hope you can say that this morning. I choose to believe in hope and not despair. I love the assurance in the Easter story, not only of God's victory over physical death, but his victory over all kinds of death. There are many who live closed in and fearful, wrapped up in their lives, Afraid of truly living, afraid of believing too much in the resurrection just in case it frees them up, just in case they might shout the odd hallelujah in public, just in case they might raise the hand in public and wonder, oh, what does the person next to me think about that? I actually want to do that. I actually want to be freer to do that. Jesus' disciples were like that as well. They were afraid to be free when they thought he'd gone. But the end of the story reveals that they believed and they re-encountered the risen Christ. And they raised their hands and they shouted their hallelujahs and such. So we, we, we have the church that we have in such a way today. Knock, knock. Oh gosh. Knock, knock. Thank you. Jesus says, I am and I will be, be with you day after day right up until the end of the age. This is not a joke. This is real hope. This is the hope which knows that a new creation is now possible. It is a heavenly reality that offers a recreated life running counter to the world's fear. And like the two women, Jesus' followers now begin to live transformed lives. As a wise man once said, the proof of the resurrection is not a rolled away stone, it is a carried away church. Yeah? A people set free from the chains that bind its thinking and its attitudes and its behavior. What did the guy sing at the very start of the meeting about this chain breaker? 
This is a key part of what's called liberation theology. And I'm going to talk about that at a later date, I think. God bringing his chosen people through the Red Sea from captivity into liberation. There is an exodus from death to new life that God brings us to. An entry into a new country where we are welcomed by God himself and where we welcome others. It's crazy. It's a reversal of the world's expectation. That's how the first resurrection was. That is how our resurrections are today. So take with you the reassurance of Christ. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. May we be a people whose joy in Christ, whose experience of God, cannot be tamed. Amen. Be free. Be free. May God bless us this Easter morning. I invite you to pray.